I think we've already got our, our more than one f- this episode, so I'll have to edit out. F- <laughs> you mean you only want one? Just I, I allow one for PG thirteen. One f- maximum. <laughs> that's that's f- irrational. We, we, we want to keep it family friendly, so the f- have to be edited from time to time. I, I'm pretty generous allowing one. F- family Usually it's f- Andy. F- friendly. Oh, it's, it's almost always Andy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm the potty mouth. I'm Captain Benjamin Cisco. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert! Shields up! What shields? You're sparkling officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of exciting he didn't say it's an exciting episode of ds9 all oh, right okay fair enough exciting episode of what tangent will we go on today <laughs> kind of nestled around a deep space nine episode on listen to the prophets and i am here as always with my illustrious and stupendous and I've run out of adjectives. Don't you mean idiotic and stupid? <laughs> you've no, run out of adjectives. You've used two. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because the rest of you are just indescribable. Indescribable. So, that, that's of course, what is, we are. That is Mr. Dr. Sir Andrew Leyland. And Verily, forsooth, I will lay my cape before thee. And we also have Paul Esquire. Um, Wait, Bill and Ted now. Yeah, yeah. Be excellent to each other. Be excellent. And that was J. David Wheeler, and Paul decided not to speak when I said his well, name. That's what everybody else did. <laughs> Four Jelly score thing. and seven minutes ago, this episode began. <laughs> Laugh it up. Party so on, Bill. Party on. All right. So. So any new Star Trek news in the last ten minutes? I don't think so. Well, we got, well I think we talked about the Picard trailer last time, and it's uh, madness, or at least that's what I thought. Oh, I know. I wanted to ask you guys on a side note. Here we go. Tangent away. Have you? Has everybody watched all of Orville? Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, no, I, I still you not have. Seen an episode. Okay. All right. How about on Discovery? Mm, I'm still mired about halfway through. Season two. <laughs> I got I got distracted by Conan comics and uh, Conan comics. Good omens. Conan's in the Avengers now. The Savage Avengers. Uh, good omen, is good omens is excellent. You should all watch Good Omens. Yes. Beautifully acted, beautifully shot. As true to the book as it can be, but also adding some nice spice. In fact, mm-hmm. if you've read the book, you'll have some insider knowledge about certain elements about the show that they don't yeah, call the out. Yeah, the Queen. Yep, exactly. The, the Queen songs, yeah. They don't mention uh, that in the TV show, do they? Which I'm good well, with. Yeah, yeah, me too. If you hear rumbling, it's not a special effect. It's raining and uh, thundering where I may live, so... If you hear rumbling, Bill's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, today we are going to discuss the season six. You, you say discuss. <laughs> season six, episode 15, 
uh, episode Honor Among Thieves. In the shadows of a criminal syndicate. We get this mission over with a calm. O'Brien befriends the man he must ultimately <laughs> betray. I'm gonna kill him, aren't they? On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Directed by Alan Eastman. Story by Philip Kim, not Harry Kim. Teleplay by Renee Echevarria. Featuring music by Gregory Daryl Smith. Because, you know, the music's kind of a, a downer in this one. But, you know, it's 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 a downplayed episode a little bit. And this came out in February 25th, 1998. And then I have no idea what I was doing. It was a long time ago in this, well, not in the galaxy, but in the same state I'm living in now. Well, I would have had a four-month-old at that point, so I know I pretty much know what I was doing. Yeah, it's, it's November. Yeah, that sounds about how. Yeah, my daughter might have been that old too. So, um, we all ready for the plot, or should I just fancy schmancy summarize it like torture O'Brien. did last time? Yeah, torture, torture, torture! O'Brien gets sent to a dark corner of the Alpha Quadrant, Ooh, a forgotten industrial park on a planet called. N- <laughs> I just got this. Farious Prime, but maybe it's Nefarious Prime. Where Yay. law and order come Aww. from the where law and order come from the barrel of a phaser. His assignment leads him to a bar that a local chapter of the syndicate calls home. Waiting for an opportunity, he sits atop a bar stool and diligently works on various gadgets from day to day. Starfleet Intelligence has given him the cover of a fix it man. Down on his luck. Can you help a fellow American down on his luck? Uh, Paul will get the road. (laughs) Knowing full well that the syndicate is actively recruiting people with such skills, Miles creates an opportunity and makes the most of it. He gets noticed by saving one of the master criminals. I don't know if master criminal is. uh, (laughs) Who was attempting to hack into a computer belonging to a local restaurant? See what I'm saying? He's, you know, master criminal. The criminal is not seriously hurt, but his expensive equipment is damaged. Miles offers to fix it, and his relationship and his relationship with Lillian Bilby, the leader of the group, grows from that. An unexpected. Can you just hear Leonard Nimoy singing the Bilby Baggins song right now? Bilby Baggins. Bilby Baggins. An unexpected meeting in the middle of the night from Bilby's boss, Ramius Harold Ramius. They'll do a special on you, Ramius. Leads to the former witnessing for Miles, making the new recruit's relationship with the organization official and taking responsibility should anything go wrong. Paul, do you have you had the witness for people? Or, oh wait, no, that's not what you're doing. Okay. No, but I'm pre- I'm pretty sure that you witnessed for for Dave coming on the show, and if he fails, <laughs> you're in trouble. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I thought you were the one witnessing, Paul. <laughs> I don't go no, out on Paul, the limb for, Paul's I don't Paul. go on the for nobody. I, I think Paul's Ramius in this scenario. Okay, that's <laughs> and Bill is Bill is Bill B. <laughs> Ramius comes to the meeting joined by a Vorta, implying that the Orion Syndicate and the Dominion are working together in harmony towards their mutual gain. The Vorta later explains to Bill B that three Klingon disruptors are needed to assassinate the local Klingon ambassador. Unlike Chancellor Garon, this Klingon is deeply opposed to the Klingon alliance with the Federation. By having the ambassador killed by Klingon disruptors, it will appear that his assassination was ordered by Garon. The Dominion believes that he will be branded a martyr. What no, do you you branded? Furthering his cause and therefore weaken the alliance from within, O'Brien later informs his contact with Starfleet Intelligence, Mr. Mister Empty Suit Man, 
of the assassination plot, rather than arrest the men involved, he opts to alert the Klingons and let them deal with it. At this point... At this point, Bill disappeared. <laughs> Did somebody point, set a phaser on Bill? At this point, Bill lost the will to live. He, 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 did want, he did want us that the bad weather could cause him to be, uh, I, I don't know if he was vaporized, I'm not sure. But I guess just to wrap up the synopsis for Bill, <laughs> may, may he rest in huh? pieces. O'Brien struggles with this, tells Bill B what's going on. Bill B. Bill B decides that family's the most important thing. If he fails at this, they'll kill his family, so he marches off to his death. O'Brien what an honorable man. Yeah, O'Brien's sad. <laughs> and O'Brien is sad. Oh, that's, that's, the, that's the kicker line to yep. the episode. Yes. Come watch all it. Right, watch O'Brien right, be right. sad. On the one hand, beautifully shot, lovely noirish atmosphere to it, great performances, always nice to see Space 1999 actors in something else. On the other hand, what a massive bore fest. I understand what they were trying to do in this episode. And I don't really have a problem with it. I thought, you know, I thought it would, I thought they had lofty goals. But I do kind of have a problem with the Orion syndicate guy who has a heart of gold. It just doesn't feel that believable. Yeah, it, it didn't feel believable that he would let a complete stranger into his organization so quickly. But I mean, also, my big problem with the episode completely from the get-go, why is this an O'Brien story? Well, it's just because you had to torture somebody. But he's not a spy. He's not a proper member of Starfleet. This would have made much more sense to send Dax. This this reminded me a lot of way, and, and you mentioned the noir episode aspect of it. It reminded me of the movie White Heat. It reminded me of Donnie Brasco. Yeah. Mm. You know, that's the kind. I think that's the feel they were going for, and why they chose O'Brien. I, I also hello. Yeah, ah, there, Bill he's back. <laughs> so to bring you up to speed, Dave, Dave finished your synopsis for you, and we're discussing the episode now. The summary is <laughs> O'Brien is sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to catch up. So, and Andy has presented the issue of why would they send O'Brien on this mission? I and, do agree with that. Oh yeah, it's totally. It's, totally you you were totally on point with that you know it's correct that that should not be what happens here but that's what they do anyway they however don't. it does work into the whole cover story of him you know of them if, i mean did they really think that they need a tech guy i mean is it is it that far planned and advanced i don't know or is it just that he's so i don't know expendable if something goes wrong well, that's, that's do, do they somehow know they're gonna get klingon disruptors that don't work yeah for the for the under undercover element dax would have been a better choice for the being able to infiltrate as part of section 31 dr bashir would have been a better choice it's there are multiple better choices on deep space now especially when you see that they actually have a scene in the middle of the episode that shows that without o'brien deep space nine goes to shit yeah. Now, one, that's a terrible organization that one man is in charge of keeping the entire station up and running. That's hot. What if he goes, just goes on holiday for a week? Yeah, I tell that, you what, Miles' life is hell. I mean, yeah. his wife is never around. Nothing runs if he doesn't take care of it. Yeah. And he gets he gets tortured. <laughs> he gets false memories implanted. And now he has to take care of a cat that I bet you, you know what? I bet you he's allergic to effing cats. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just forget he has the cat and it's going to die. That's Brian goes away for a couple of days and none of the toilets work. What kind of organization's that? 
This episode they, should they have do... ended where the cat jumps up on him, he pets it, and then he sneezes. <laughs> yeah. They they do give you a token explanation that he's the only one who truly understands how they how they merged the uh, Cardassian and Federation technology. But that's still oh. shocking, shocking organization skills. What if O'Brien accidentally gets sucked out of an airlock one day? Nobody else can work that station. Well, they're going to have to bring in Chief Engineer Goofy. Oh, oh we're going to oh. make the toilet work. No, it makes no sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I do like I do like the one line he's probably left my brother in charge. That was funny. <laughs> well, yeah. the rest of it, no, it struggles too hard to make this an O'Brien story when it isn't, and without that, the entire premise of the show just falls away. See, I don't think I, I don't mind the fact that it's an O'Brien story. That it, it's you, you're right that it totally falls apart if you think about the logic of why he would be the guy doing this, but. I just kind of, like, let that go, and I think it struggles too much to make Bilby a likable, you know, likable like, guy who, like who we respect. And, yeah, but but you know what? He, I, to me, either he's a likable guy, and then he wouldn't be in that position, or... Yeah, but, some, but something might have happened. Now, maybe we, we didn't go back into Bilby's backstory. Bilby. But, Bilby. you know, maybe something happened in his life, and he got in this in this thing, and he couldn't get out. You know, it's some, uh, no, he you know, he, he has to do it to me. He, he had, well, yeah, because after a while, you yeah, you just do get into the you take on the role. But I mean, you know, he seems to be honorable. Honor among thieves. Title of the episode. Oh, it's that, get there. Yeah, that he's you know he has a family and he believes in family and he believes in friendship. But he'll also kill you if you cross him. So you know, it's much like our relationship, Paul. Oh wait, I was supposed to say that. Crap. Yeah, all right, all right. All of that is perfectly acceptable if you can get on board that this is an O'Brien episode. Well, and, I couldn't, but if you can, fine. And, but, and no, that's but why O'Brien. That's why O'Brien works better in this role because I don't think I think it's he's the so, man. Yes, he's. It's yeah, more right. believable with him. All right, then. So that's taking where, all that out of the equation. The story makes no sense. <laughs> the Dominion's plan is to assassinate a Klingon ambassador by making it look like the Klingons did it. How does that help them? That sows dissension in the <laughs> Klingons. Look. Klingons I, I, kill each other all I, the time. I know, but here's... <laughs> wait, hear me out. All right, okay. all right. I highly doubt this is the only crazy crackpot plan that the Dominion is doing in the background. There are probably hundreds of things just like this that they're doing to try with the, what? What are you laughing at? I'm, not, I'm, I'm, la I'm laughing at the idea that there are hundreds of equally stupid plans that the Dominion are doing. They're throwing stuff at the wall to see what works. Well, we're just going to do anything. We, you know, I'm we're laughing making, at the superior intellect. We're making new Jem'Hadar. We're assassinating Klingons, blaming other Klingons. Nobody, nobody else suspected Dominion, the Spanish Dominion. <laughs> our chief elements are surprise and bad plots. No, wait. Our chief okay. two elements are surprise, bad plots, and and using crime syndicates. No, wait. Our <laughs> All right, okay. My third big issue with this. How is this even an episode of Star Trek? Because it is. Because it's, Cause it's got the title Star Trek at the beginning. Because they torture O'Brien in it. But they don't. They don't that's, that's a staple of the, the DS9 universe. He is tortured at the end because he feels the guilt that Bilby, that he oh, betrayed the Bilby. The guilt of actually sending a criminal to his just rewards. 
Hey. As much as I like Nick Tate, he's a bad guy. He's a leg breaker. He's probably killed tons of people in his career. And that's Why am I supposed to feel sorry with, for him? That's he's, the the prim- he's the criminal with a heart. Yeah, I don't believe it. He's still a criminal. They're, they're presenting him as pretty woman. <laughs> yeah, instead of presenting him as really Otter in Goodfellas. You, you, can, you can make him a relatable character who has some honor, but you can't make him into, you know, Uncle Bilby. And that's what they tried to do. Yeah, he's the lovable family man who just happens to kill people. I found him to be an unbelievable character to be not so much that you would have a character with that personality, but that you would have a character with that personality in that situation. And he he would also be so naive as to just, you know, accept somebody so quickly and, and stand up for him. Huh, maybe yeah. I was maybe I was taken by uh, oh, Nick Tate's acting because I've only ever seen him in two things: this and Deep Space Nine. <laughs> this and is Deep Space Nine. Bell- I mean, <laughs> 1999. I had the wrong nine. Deep, Deep Space 1999 <laughs> is another show entirely. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but on on uh, 1999, I, I don't think his character really had a like. He, I don't think he was stretched for his acting. At least no, from what I remember, just, he's just the stalwart and true fighter pilot. In, in yeah, whereas, whereas here it seems like like I, I was really taken in by, by his acting. And at one point last night, I was thinking, hmm, you know what? Maybe I'll give this a five. Of course, now I'm going to back way off of that. Ooh, a five. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was still a moron. If you think this is worthy of a five, I was touched you give at, it a at five. the end. Maybe it's because of the cat. The cat got a home. Maybe that's why I'm like, oh, I, I was very touched cat. by the cat, and especially that the cat was named Chester, which was the name of one of our cats. Yeah. So yes, I was. I liked that bit, but having a cat in it that I like does not a good episode make. <laughs> How's he gonna explain that to Keiko? She comes back. Hey, what's oh your yeah, name? but I got a cat. <laughs> yeah, I got a cat. His name's Chester. Hmm. Put him, next, die. put him next to Yoshi. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, the cat can steal her soul when she's sleeping. Yoshi's a boy. Wow. Wow. Man, whatever. It's the future. He can be whatever he wants to be. <laughs> Don't put your rolls on him. <laughs> <laughs> he can be a cat if he wants to. I think this episode's biggest sin is that it was boring. Yep. It was I, a little boring. This is another yeah. one that took me like three viewings to get through yeah. it. It wasn't even like I was watching the clock. I'm like, is this thing over yet? Hey, it, it flew by for me because <laughs> I, I was, I, I was finding the TV set. Is this thing working? Mine <laughs> flew right by because, correct, because I was pulling out boxes of comics and sorting them going, oh, the episode's still on. So, you, so you weren't actually paying <laughs> attention to not it. On, not, not on the last viewing. <laughs> Unless uh, I watched okay. it, the more I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a minute, you? Paul. <laughs> Way too long. What did you think of his uh, of his uh, henchman crawling? I like flip. I like the beginning bit where um, they're tapping into the dinner thing and they, they say, "Well, we charged the police last week." <laughs> that, that was that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, that's the baseball player. I was I, looking up one of the guys. I think I think you know, Andy. I think you kind of hit it on the head for me. Is if they had somebody who was a little bit more edgy, a little bit more Ray Liotta like. I think I would have appreciated this episode more. He wasn't quite edgy enough. He was too, you know, like I said earlier, he was too much of an Uncle Bilby. And and that guy doesn't survive in the mall. You can't say that now without me thinking of Bilby, Bilby, Bilby Baggins. Yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> which makes, which which almost, it, it almost brings it up a half a star just for being able to sing that song. But no, no. I thought the call girl had a nice dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost. Almost dress, yeah. What was she, th- she thinking that was going on? Of course, she's probably used to things like this. You know, is she thinking, uh, 
oh, maybe these two want to be alone. Okay, I guess I'm not needed here. But, hey, she took her money, and she was like, okay, whatever. To each his own. Yeah, she was happy to take the money and run. Oh, I don't have to do anything? Nice. I'm out. It'll be. It'll be. And Ramius. Ramius was played by uh, Robert Culp's son. Oh, yes. Yes, he was, yeah. Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom. And the Roger Corman Fantastic Four film. Oh, I did not know that. I did not know which I think may be the superior Fantastic Four film. Yes. It's certainly the most superior Doctor Doom. Oh, yeah. Of the He's three got... of the three that have made it to uh, film, he is by far the superior. He is, yeah. Have you got Amazon? If you've got Amazon Prime, Doomed, the documentary about that Fantastic Four movie is on there, and it's well worth a watch. Hmm. Well, I think it's a bad sign when we're deviating to Harvey Corman's Fantastic Four. It's not Harvey <laughs> Corman. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> you guys make fun of me. <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking about Harvey Corman. Yeah. Come on, Dum Dums. <laughs> <laughs> so Harvey Corman playing Reed Richards. It would just it, it, the script writes itself. Would Tim Conway be the thing? <laughs> no, I'm thinking Tim Conway is the voice of Herbie the robot. But is is it the old man? <laughs> so we had uh, John Davis Chandler as one of the uh, one of the, the the guy that gets offed. <laughs> You know it's an episode we're struggling with when we're going through the I guest know. cast. <laughs> Just trying to give everybody their due. And fill time. Yeah. Er, er, you know. I, I just did not like his contact guy. I'm like, he looks too well-dressed. He looks too obvious. Like, I'm a spy. Shoot me. You know? <laughs> no, nothing seedy here in a back alleyway. We're just meeting in private on a, on a foggy street. Pay no attention. Wait, suddenly he became Jerry Lewis. So, hey, what'd you find out? The syndicate, oi, the bad. Ooh. <laughs> and Jerry Lewis would have been a better addition to this episode. Hey. <laughs> Jerry Lewis should have played Bilby. <laughs> Family's important. Family. Just See, and that's, that's another thing to me. Uh, I feel like, I, I don't want to go as far as to say lazy writing, but I feel like the writers of this episode just kind of said, yeah, we'll, we'll have him periodically talk about how important family is, and that makes him a good guy. Periodically? That was like, the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, I need a little bit more depth that than was, that. Yeah, heavens to Murgatroyd. <laughs> family, even. <laughs> Exit. Fight the Klingons. Yes. I stood up for you. I'll witness for you. You know what that I, means. I was a hot witness for you. <laughs> and he's like, and my old guy said you were a snitch, but I didn't believe him. I know people. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's not going to work out well for you, is it? Oh. I still think Nick Tate acted his... I, I thought he was... Yeah, he was... Good. The performances were great. Him and Cole yeah. Meany were brilliant. Especially when you consider Nick Tate was drafted in at the last minute to replace Charles Hallahan, who died of a heart attack days before they started shooting. Oh. Who was originally cast in the role. That name sounds familiar. He was Hunter's boss on Hunter. You know, the works for me guy. I'm pulling him up now. Do you remember the show? Oh, that I'm, guy. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. Sure oh, he was in The Thing. Yeah, he's the guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. The guy who's, who gets his head blown off in the thing. Yeah, well, no, he's his chest. That's the guy. His chest breaks who's open. Who's the guy now. with the skittery head then? He, that's him too. His oh, head. Okay. His head did, well, well, he doesn't have a lot of look in that film, does he? Well, I mean, his chest opens up, and then he cuts the doctor's hands off, and then his head stretches off and falls down to the floor and grows the little spider legs and walks across the floor. And Kurt Russell goes like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, 
again, we're we're tangenting away. Come tangent away. Come tangent away. Come tangent away with me. So I guess are 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 we gonna rate this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you wait, wait. We got the return of our favorite Vorta. <laughs> The Sorry. guy that looks like Screech from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> if Iggy Pop and Screech is he going to write, write a tell-all memoir? <laughs> he's, he's got his porn, porn film. film. <laughs> he's going to go to Celebrity Fit Club and dish dirt. That, that is the second time today, Bill, you and I have gone to exact same place. I don't know what that says about us. <laughs> <laughs> we are ma- 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 Max Hedrum. Max Hedrum. Hey, I stutter out on... Well, see? There we go. I am Max Hedrum. Bill Hedrum. That this doesn't work. Anyway, so... Mm, yeah, I can't believe last night I was thinking of a five. <laughs> Maybe it's because I was really into my comics. Yeah, Ooh, what were you thinking? Oh, I think I'm going to have to reassess my life. I mean, <laughs> this episode and go... I want you to go home and rethink your life. I'll go home and rethink my life. I do not want to sell Andy Death Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Nick Tate will bring it up a little bit. Yeah, to, to at least one. Ooh, wow, wow. I mean, I didn't dislike it that much. I mean, I'm, well, I mean, I, I you know, well, you were the one who was, this was thinking about giving it a five. I, I, well, I'm going to give it a. Don't I'm let gonna, us influence you unless no, no, our. No. Don't let us pressure you. Influence is fine. Pressure is not. Hmm. Under pressure. <laughs> What does Blaine say? Wait, we're not there yet. Oh shit! Sorry. Jump in the gun. I'll go right in the middle because I think you guys. I think it's higher than you guys are going to rate it. So I'm going to give it an average because it feels like you guys are going to go low because I think Nick's Tate performance brings up brings up the score a little bit. So I'm going to go two point five. Oh my god! I'm going to have half a cat. Two point five. Why? What did I say? Nothing, nothing. I thought, oh. I was, I thought you'd finished. Oh, Carry on. yeah. So 2.5 uh, Chesters. Nick Tate, Cole Meany, and the cinematographer are all great. The rest of it's, it's... I agree with Dave. It's boring. That's the worst thing anything can be. I don't mind them trying anything different. I don't mind them being a little bit off the wall. I don't mind them going for funny, camp, whatever. But this is boring. One. Wow. Oof. That's harsh. Um... I, I think I think worse than boring is offensive, but that's just me. Um, I don't think this is offensive. I don't think I didn't think it was that boring. I thought it was just a little bit like I did. I ultimately, despite his quality performance, I didn't care about Bilby. I just didn't care. I didn't accept him in that role. I didn't believe that a guy like that would exist in the Orion Syndicate. Uh, that was my biggest problem with it. Other than that, I thought the story was okay. I'm a little closer to Bill in that regard, and I'm going to give it a 2.0. I'll just put it a slightly below average. I'm going to go in the middle of that. I'm going to go 1.5. It was boring. It had good performances, but it was just once I – I'll give it to you this way. Once I put out this episode, finish editing and publish it, I will never think of this episode again. <laughs> I'm going to make a point of mentioning this episode again. What episode? Soon, so that you will think of it again. Alabarine! Honor, honor among thieves? What was it? Well, that's, and that's something that, that you come to is when you start talking about the memorable or memorableness, whatever it would be, of the episode, Alamarine mm-hmm. is memorable. Is very memorable because, it, in my opinion, it was so bad. Yeah, but this one is less path. memorable. This one is less memorable because it's not quite as bad as that. But therefore, in my opinion, this is a higher. This should be a higher rated episode than that 
because it's not no, as bad, it isn't, though. even though it's less memorable. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In every conceivable way that matters, objectively, this episode is better than the Alamorane episode. But the Alamorane episode is memorable in its badness and therefore is entertaining. This one just bored me to sleep. No, see, and I thought the Alamorane episode was offensive in its badness. I found it to be <laughs> irritating to watch. This episode was not. Well, the so, difference is yeah. Al- Alamorane episode was in season one where the show's finding its footing. This is season six. Yeah. This is a show has found its footing. It knows where its strengths are. Strengths, pardon me, are. It ignores them. Yeah. No. I, I. But I still. I. I didn't find this episode to be offensive. I just found it to be slightly incredulous and a little boring. I don't think you know. To me, that makes it. You know. I, you know what? I'm lowering my grade to one point five because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not close enough to average to give it a a a, a two. Because average is, you know, average is pretty good. This is not that. But, uh, I Fine, still, I will I, stand alone on the hill. Screw you guys. I don't, I don't think it's as bad as what you're saying, because I didn't think, like I said, I, I don't think it's among the all-time worst episodes. I think there are a significant number that are worse than this. Screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> taking my episode and going home. I'm taking Bilby's cat and going home. Taking Chester and going home. Mm-hmm. So, uh... What do you think Blaine thought of it? Blaine, 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 What does Blaine say? What does he say? What does Blaine, 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 I don't know why we got sound clips from Blaine reading his own letters. Seems like we should have. Well, there's still time. Instead, you have me. Hi, guys. Well, somebody enjoyed Donnie Brasco. This so he and I were on the same train there. I appreciate that once again DS9 is playing with shades of gray rather than black and white. I just didn't buy O'Brien's level of compassion for Bilby. If we hadn't seen Bilby kill the man who sold the broken Klingon disruptors, then I'd have bought it. But then we would have had as much tension about the level of danger O'Brien was in. Wouldn't have had the same, excuse me, but then we wouldn't have had the, as much tension about the level of danger O'Brien was in. I don't see O'Brien forgiving them for crossing that line, though. On the plus side, I do, do enjoy seeing the station starting to fall apart without O'Brien. I think he's the best chief engineer we've seen in Star Trek. The others were given full training in the, and then put in charge of a major Federation ship and often seemed like they didn't have enough time in the day to take care of everything. O'Brien has had minimal formal training, picking up what he knows from working with it in the field under pressure. He's been assigned to a station much larger than any ship, and the station itself has been known to actively try to kill its occupants if they make one wrong move. Yet in spite of that, he finds time to spend with Bashir in the holodecks and with his wife and kids when they are on the station. When LaForge thought it would be impossible to beam through the shields onto another Starfleet vessel, O'Brien said he could do it without a second thought and found a way to make it happen, timing things precisely in what must have been either an automated sequence or a site-to-site transport from behind the control console since he was the one that was transported. So in the end, not bad, but somehow not as good as I hoped it would be. Blaine. Um... See, I, I thought the sequence with the everybody complaining about something being wrong played off more as a sitcom than a serious viewing of what it would be like without O'Brien there. It was a little too over the top with, you know, people coming from every corner saying something was failing. You know, that, that, if that was the case, then O'Brien wouldn't have had time to spend with his family or going out and playing with his little Bishia friend. 
this year, friend. So I, I, I thought that was a little overplayed, a little ham-handed, if you will. Ham-fisted, not ham-handed. So. Stop saying ham. You're making me hungry. <laughs> I, I think, you know, you, you're like in, in the uh, cartoon on, on the island where I say that and you picture like <laughs> somebody's <laughs> face coming out of a ham sandwich. Mm. But that's that's it for what Blaine says. And we do have a piece of email. Would anybody care to read that? Andy? Uh, I would if I had it on. Hold on. <laughs> Let me just bring it up. Whoa, whoa. Is, is, that, is that a euphemism? Well, uh, yes. maybe we can just... Uh, we'll, 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 we'll thank Faith while Andy's get, trying to get it up. Uh, we'll talk about Faith Gilliam and, and uh, actually uh, Benjamin Perlman, who commented on Facebook about... Uh, Soldiers of the Empire, how Worf got his black back. So we had a nice little discussion over there about uh, inconsistent Klingons and, 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 and whatnot. So if anybody is so inclined to seek that out on Facebook, we're not going to go through our, the whole discussion that we had. But uh, it's all there. Paul has a quote, ramming speed. So <laughs> That's, what's my, that's my, my, <laughs> always my fallback line for Worf. Mm. Okay, I've brought it up. I've managed to to get it, so it's angry. Whoa! I don't even. I'm gonna just let it go. I'm really being. Uh, oh yeah, I've I, just done that. Sorry about the mask. Maybe, maybe that's why it's angry. <laughs> Catch up on a few is from Tissum Tissum, which, as we know, is Ben. Listeners, been busy, but I've been meaning for weeks to comment to read your episode "Ties of Blood and Water." I signed up for a Star Trek podcast, and ended up hearing friends get emotional discussing complicated feelings and memories about their relationship with their father. Okay, then. It's great when pop culture is able to stir up these sorts of emotions, and it made for maybe the best episode you've done so far. Feel free to keep inviting more and more hosts and guest hosts on the show. Maybe we can get to, like, nine people in the booth by the end. It'll be like Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It'd be too many people in the booth. Well, you know, I was thinking about that. I just want to pause for a second. So I was trying to think how many people we've had guests on the show, and, like, maybe for the last episode, what if we got up, like, a round table? Who would we, uh, you know, we would have Dave, we would have four of us, Dave Pascarella, it's five, Blaine, six. Who, uh, we could get Scott Gardner if he wants to come back, that would be seven. Gene? Gene, eight. So who would be the ninth man, well, ninth person? Do you, have we had another guest host? Probably, though I'm probably forgetting somebody. And if we have, I apologize for us forgetting whoever that person was. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. I think we do the oh, last you know episode what? the way we always have, but then maybe we have a round tra- table wrap up the series yeah. episode. Well, you know what? The ninth person would be the person who can no longer be with us. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. we keep that chair empty. Yeah. What I miss? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Oh, so much. We suddenly found hidden depths to this episode, Dave, that you would not believe. It was like tears in rain. We all changed our regret. This has got 5.5 across the board. Tears in rain. I like the Blade Runner reference, but I'm saying hey. that's my grade. Chester is really the leader of the syndicate. Yeah. <laughs> He's really one of those uh, thingy or cats from that Diane Duane written Star Trek comic. published. No, not um, a Lurkin. Oh, no, yeah. Or indeed a Merkin, which is a different kind of pussy altogether. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, continuing when did we go the, you know, so dark? Uh, or so low. As an added bonus, it was fun hearing your opinions of the episode change in real time as you discussed it. On the one hand, it speaks to how Ties has a lot going on, but on the other, it does highlight that it's an episode that takes some effort to love. 
I know I liked it much better but the second time as well. For me, it was making sense of the extremes of Kira's reactions to Gamor, but they do make sense when you think about it. I will mention yet again that although I think Paul is finally starting to pick up on it, that this just doesn't make sense to get too caught up in where the episode fits into some master narrative about the Dominion War. DS9 may be serialised by Trek standards, but Trek, pre-Enterprise at least, really is not that kind of franchise. For the most part, each episode is still going to be a moral or humanoid story with a clear beginning, middle and end. Yeah. I, <laughs> I still, I'm, I still I'm, feel like if you're going to have an ongoing narrative, you need to have episodes. An ongoing narrative, that. yeah. You, you need to have episodes placed within that narrative. Okay. I sometimes bunch these so I have a bunch to write about, but I really have little or nothing to say about Ferengi love songs or Soldiers of the Empire. I will speculate on whether DS9-era Worf has picked up a mix of pragmatism and weariness that leads into different choices than Next Generation-era Worf would have made. One random internet comment I read years ago that just stuck with me argued that if TNG Worf had been given the chance to join the House of Martok, abandoning his affiliation with the dead House of Moog, he'd have refused out of principle. Best... Ben. Yeah, I think Worf yeah. on Deep Space Nine is very definitely different to Worf on, on The Next Generation. But I think by definition he has to be. It's a completely different assignment with completely different moral quandaries. Well, I think it's because he finally got a steady girlfriend. He wasn't trying to hit on Riker's woman. Oh, sorry, did I say that out loud? That's true, yeah. And, you know, after after she's gone Klingon, you can't go back. <laughs> Although I shouldn't say she's Riker's woman. She would, no, she would, you sexist pig! She would be Deanna's man or whatever. <laughs> I think you the man. term Imzadi? That's yes. the one. Yeah, that's what it is. Hey, I read the Imzadi <laughs> novel. It's good. And then the second it, one, too. And that's not so good. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's like one it. scene in the Imzadi one that sticks out in my hand, head, but I won't really mention it now. But I'm sure Andy knows which scene I'm talking about. Is that where they have lots of nudity? Well, when the, well, when she's tr- tricking Riker into saying, "Oh yeah, this is how we bond and become," you know, we're basically they're naked spooning. Wait, 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 spoiler! I have not read the book. That's what I was getting ready to say. Oh, here, not only did I just recently buy it on Amazon. If you have a tablet with the Kindle app, here's a great tri- tip that Scott Rifen pointed out. Every month there will be new Star Trek books that are but marked down to about ninety nine cents. Oh, cool. So keep an eye out if you if you shop on the Kindle store. Because that's changed everything. I got a nice little metaphorical stack forming. Oh, cool, yeah. Well, then. Right. so that that destroys Bill's story. That's okay. Well, well Bill, Bill has like Bill's never destroyed one of ours. That's what I do. I send one does. of his to the morgue. <laughs> it's the Chicago way. It's the Alpha Quadrant way. You bring a story. They bring a novel. They bring a novel. <laughs> you bring a tome. I bring a faulty phaser. Click, 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 click. Is that it? I guess. Alright, okay. Well, that's it for this time. What's what's next time? An all new episode of Listen to the Prophets. We all have a change of heart. Our wharf does about his marriage to Jadzia, and they call it off. What? No. Uh, there was one last thing I wanted to talk about this episode that I forgot that I did. Oh, okay. that, did you? Did you, did you, did you intentionally the annals of time now. <laughs> you intentionally what? held it until Andy was talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just when I remembered it. Yeah, too bad. Nobody's going to ever hear it now. <laughs> Do you? Did you? What? No. Hi, everyone. Put it, put it Hi, after everybody. the credits. Put it after the credits. No. No, nobody listens after the credits. If you've gone this deep into Marvel movies and do not stay to the end of everything you now watch and listen to, then you're a dumbass. Well, I guess I'll have to wait till after the credits to hear my gem and nugget of information. Okay. <laughs> Bye, then. So long. Bye. Goodbye. I'm not, I'm not going to be here after the credits. Bye, everyone. Meow. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast is a two true freaks. 
presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Okay. Right, go on, Bill. Tell us. Okay, tell us. So, it's going to blow this thing wide open. I know who. It, it, it's it's so uh, okay. The spy in the in the Dominion, right? You loved me. This. <laughs> okay. The so spy the, with my hat. You're right. We never found out who the spy is. The whole no, point no, of the no, thing. no. They say it's the guy that controlled the weather control system on Risa, right? Um, they said, yeah, last year they 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 got the guy that did the. Uh, the weather control system. That's Worf. Worf's the one that changed the weather. Worf's the spy. What? You guys don't. You guys don't see. Uh, anyway, that's what I thought. I hope, you, <laughs> I, I, I hope you're glad you stayed for that. But think about it, because they say, "Oh yeah," because remember the episode when they went to Risa. And was... <sighs> I hate you all. <laughs>